0: all right good morning so technical difficulties um this is gonna be interesting i'm not a big fan of these handheld mics so we'll see how it goes so hey so my name's dylan Um uh, welcome to the branch um so um i'm the pastoral resident here at the branch um so the last year the elders they cast vision for the branch that we would plant 10 churches in 10 years by multiplying uh, disciples every two years. So one of, part of that is, uh, you know, allowing me and allowing Ricky and some other guys uh, opportunities to preach uh, on occasion so we can be trained up to then eventually be sent out um, to do the work of the ministry. So um, I'm very excited for this opportunity. So if you would, we're going through Luke. We've been in Luke for a long time. If you will turn to Luke chapter 21. So Gabe, this text that we are going through is called or known as the Olivet Discourse. Um, so Gabe opened us up last week in the first couple verses of that text. Um, So this is the last week, right? This is the last week of Jesus' life. It's Wednesday night. Uh, Depending on what scholars you look at, I would agree that it is Wednesday night. So Jesus is done teaching, and his public ministry is complete. He has finished um, teaching with the religious leaders of Israel, right? So he's left the temple. The disciples have left the temple they are on the Mount of Olives, they're looking out over uh, Jerusalem, they can see the temple from there, uh, the disciples are gazing at the temple because it is an amazing building. And some I don't remember the statistics exactly, but some of the rocks that were b- used to build the temple were 40 feet long, 12 feet wide, and 12 feet deep. That's pretty impressive because they didn't have big, you know, cranes and things like that to pick that up. So it's a magnificent structure and the disciples are gazing at it, right? They think this is this is an amazing structure they're gazing at it, and Jesus tells them, "This is all going away. this is not going to last this this will be destroyed. there will not be one rock upon another. it is all going away. Here's what you need to know, as Gabe said last week, this is this is Jesus' last real sit down, teach the disciples what they need to know. this is his deathbed conversation uh, before he goes up to be crucified because starting in the next chapter or the next day, right he starts all the Passover prep and all of that stuff. Peter's going to deny him. Uh, Jesus is going to betray him. And then everything's going to continue on all the way up to the crucifixion and then the ascension, right? So in this text, so Luke chapter 21, we're about to read. This is a long, long text. So Gabe gave me the privilege of teaching on like 30-something verses. So here we go. He said as long as, you know, we, uh, as long as I finish within like an hour and a half or two hours or something, we'll be good. Um, so strap in. I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. Hopefully it doesn't go that long. Okay, so we're going to read starting in verse 5. So we t- Gabe preached on this text last week. We're going to start on verse 5 just so we have context all the way through. So Luke chapter 21 verse 5. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And he asked him, teacher, or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and let those who are inside the city depart. And let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against his people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Verse 25. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the, on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. None, Now now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see your, for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Verse 34. But, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. And every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. That was a lot. So, look with me. So, throughout all of that, right, we're going to dive in through it. We're going to move our way through. But before we do that... I want, I want you to show you the end. How did Jesus conclude this long discourse, right? What what over, overall, big picture, what did he want the disciples to know? Look at verse 34. I read 34 again, 34, 36. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But here it is, 36. But stay awake Stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand, ultimately, to stand before the Son of Man. So, again, we're going to start moving our way through this text in a minute and see all the things that Jesus said is going to happen. We're going to look at that. But at the end, he says, but stay awake at all times. He wants us to stay awake and be ready We must prepare, stay awake throughout all that's going to happen, throughout all that's going to happen in our lives, whether this all kicks off full force, whatever the case may be, stay awake. So that ultimately you will endure to the end. We'll get to more of that in a minute. Look at verse 19. Again, we're going to cover this at the end. But verse 19 says, by your endurance, so this is, again, he's talked about persecution, he's talked about wars and all these things. Verse 19, by your endurance you will gain your lives. We must endure to be saved. We'll cover that in more detail at the end, but I want you to see that he wants us to stay awake, and then ultimately we will endure. So, who who's played sports? Who's played some kind of sport sometime in their life? Probably most of us, right? So, who likes to watch sports? You know, I don't really play sports anymore. I really like to watch. Okay, so take uh, you know football. So take NFL supposed to be you know have the best players in football it's in National Football League, right? So, who's watched a game before, where you know there's a team losing by however many points and They haven't been able to score the whole game, but yet there's like a minute 58 left. They get the ball and somehow just march down the field like, you know, they just knew exactly what they were doing the whole time, and then they win the game or they score. Anybody seen a game like that? You're just like, why in the world can they not do that the rest of the game? You know, they just pull this together right at the end. Well – they practice what's called the two-minute drill, right? They have a two-minute drill that is a separate strategy to their game plan every week. They put that together separately in um, practice. They prepare. They do, th- they do their best to make all the factors that they can uh, manipulate the same in practice so that when they get to the game and the pressure's on, they can perform, right? So they, they prepare in this way for what is to come. So, you know, they stay awake, right? stay awake. They watch film. They prepare. They look ahead. What do we need to do to prep? And they train for it. Mark Marcus uh, Latrell says it this way. You probably heard a quote similar to this, but he says, "You play like you practice, and you practice how you play." I'll say it one more time. You play like you practice, and you practice how you play. So the way you practice determines the way that you play, right? So as we stay awake and as we prepare, that is ultimately going to help us then perform and execute what Jesus wants us to do when the time comes, right? When things get really bad life gets hard we have to prepare for that right we have to get ready We have to stay awake So Jesus wants the disciples to stay awake get ready at all times prepare for what is to come so that we have six observations of what Jesus wants us to look for and wants us to do we're going to move through these I don't know how long it's going to take six observations so point one expect persecution expect persecution let's pick it up in verse 10 then he said to them nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom there will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences and there will be terrors and great sounds from heaven but before all this here it is they will lay their hands on you and persecute you delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons and you'll be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake Look also at verse 16. Look down a little further. You'll be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. Some of you they will put to death. Persecution, biblically, is what we are supposed to expect. We in America have, you know, had this long period of time of, you know, cultural Christianity, the Bible belt, where it seems, you know, everybody's a Christian. They're not, but they say that they are, right? And that's just kind of the cultural aspect of it. That's not what we're supposed to that's not what we, Jesus tells us to expect. He tells us over and over that they hated him to the point that they sent him to the cross. Therefore they're too going to hate us. If they hate the teacher, they're also going to hate the student, right? That is what we are supposed to expect is persecution. We see this all the time in the Muslim community, right? You have somebody who grew up in, you know, Islam, they come to the faith in Christ, They tell their family, and their family ostracizes them from community, and they're completely out. Right? Persecution. We don't really know and experience that in America, but it's all over the world. It's it's happening, and it's been happening since this occurred. Notice when it says, But before all this, they will lay their hands, this verse 12. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues. This happened. We see this with Stephen, with others throughout Acts synagogue has acted as um, you know a Jewish court system, so to speak. So they were delivered; they were put their hands on, arrested, and persecuted. This has been happening for two thousand years, and it will continue to get worse as we continue to move forward in time. We are to expect persecution. Look at the early church with Acts chapter seven. That's a lot harder to do with the um, handheld mic. Anyway, Acts chapter seven, right? So. Um, you know, Jesus told uh, the disciples, told the believers, when before he ascended, to go to the nations with the gospel. Right? They, we have the great commission. Well, you look through seven chapters of Acts of what the early church was doing, and people were coming to the faith. You know, the you know the Holy Spirit was moving. Well, and they were still in Jerusalem. They hadn't left yet. Like Jesus just told them, hey, go to the nations and baptize and teach disciples they, they weren't doing it so so what ultimately what was the catalyst what what sent the church or the early church out into the nations well Stephen was martyred Stephen was martyred at the end of chapter 7 and it started chapter 8 in Acts they fled to the nations they scattered the nations proclaiming the gospel persecution came and ultimately the church thrived when the fire is put on Persecution will reveal the true church. Through persecution, the wheat will be separated from the chaff and preserved. Wheat will be preserved and the chaff thrown into the unquenchable fire. Persecution is hard. It's difficult. Again, I I don't I haven't really experienced it. I'm just going to be perfectly honest. Most of us in here probably haven't. But if we read other cultures and other, um, you know, frontier missions groups around the world, they are experiencing it all the time. But through it all, the church will prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We can take heart. Christ is with us. We will move through when persecution comes. So what can we do? Like, What can we do in our context? The first thing is expect it. So when persecution comes at one day, expect it. Don't be surprised. Don't be terrified. No, this is what Jesus said. He, he told us throughout the Gospels, persecution is going to come. It will come to America at some point. I'm, I don't know when, but it will. And when it does, be ready. Stay awake, because it is coming. Another tangible thing we can do is uh, on your phone. You can go on the app store, and there's an app called the Joshua Project. Uh, that's an organization, but they have an app. Uh, type in Joshua Project. You can download it. They have on the app. They have a, a people group that comes up every you know every day that gives you information about it, and you can pray for that group, and you know kind of how to pray because they give you information. Um, A lot of those are unreached people groups, people that haven't heard the gospel, but they haven't heard primarily because there's persecution there because the country is closed and hostile to the gospel. So we need to be praying for the laborers to then go out into the harvest. That's something that we can do tangibly for world missions and pray for the church and for those who are trying to reach people in persecuted areas, we can pray for them daily. And one easy and tangible way to do that and to know how to pray and what to pray for is the app. That's just one one thing that we can do to help pray for the laborers to go out and do the harvest. We have to stay awake. We have to be ready, right, to help them in prayer and then also to expect it when we come. So next point, what else can we do amidst persecution? Keep witnessing. Keep witnessing amidst persecution. Look at verse 13. This, you know, this is right after verse 12, where he's talking about persecution. So amidst that, Verse 13, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. Persecution will come, but that is going to present opportunities to share the gospel and to share our faith. And when we are arrested, persecuted, or whatever, we just take heart because, why? For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict again, Stephen, Acts chapter 7, he goes on for 53 verses, sharing the gospel, witnessing, and laying into the council, that is putting him on trial that ultimately kills him. 53 verses he goes on in this discourse that is just impeccable. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus is saying here, carried him through, both in action and in speech, all the way to the end, to his death. He endured to the end, and he kept witnessing amidst the persecution and the the gospel was shared. So what can we do? So we're not experiencing this type of persecution at the present time, but we're still called to keep witnessing. We're still called as believers to share our faith. Jesus, again, says, Matthew 28, Go, therefore, make disciples, baptizing and teaching. Evangelism and discipleship, go they go hand in hand, right? Because you, you can't have one without the other. It says go and make disciples. Well, how do you do that? Well, you evangelize you share your faith right and then if they believe the holy spirit moves they become a believer but then you just continue to teach right you continue to share your faith you continue to teach the bible you continue to teach the gospel it's just like a big kind of almost a circle so to speak they go hand in hand so that's something that we can do share our faith that's what we're doing in mc if you're not involved in mc this semester we're uh, we're teaching through questioning evangelism it's a book so we're talking every week about evangelism how can we engage the culture how can we get better at this who are we trying to reach Uh, with the gospel in our workplace, you know, wherever we work, where we go to school, all these types of things. That's one thing we can do. We're called to do that. Whether or not we're in this situation of being persecuted, we're still called to witness and to share our faith. All right, moving on. So number three, trust God's word. Look at verse 18. Well, before we read 18. So 18 and 19, we're going to cover it at the end. So I'm going past it, but we're going to come back. So verse 18. But not a hair of your head will perish, but your endur but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Verse 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and let those who are inside the city depart. And let not those who are in, who are out in the country enter it. For these days are, these, wow, I can't speak. Verse 22. For these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against his people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be laid captive among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So, this actually happened. We, we heard back in Luke chapter 19, back in November, that of Jesus. He already said this. He already said that Jerusalem will fall. In 70 AD, it did fall. The temple fell. The whole city fell. 70 AD, the Romans came in and demolished it. They laid siege on it a little bit before that. There wasn't anything left. It said from our records that somewhere around a million Jews died. Somewhere around a million people died. You know how many of those were Christians? Based on the records, hardly any out of a million people or so. Very few from the records that we have, show that there were hardly any Christians there. Why? Why? Like how? I mean, out of a million people in Jerusalem, of all places, how, is, how could that be? Well, they trusted God's word. They knew that this has been, look at verse 22, for these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. They knew that Jesus had said this twice. They would have known. It would have been shared orally throughout this time. They knew that the destruction of uh, Jerusalem was coming. The destruction of the temple was coming. They knew it, they trusted it, and they obeyed. They got out. They did what Jesus said. They left. They trusted God's word. Look also at verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus' words will not pass away. The Bible, God's word, will not pass away. Everything you see here, around the world is going away at some point don't know when don't know exactly how but it's going away but guess what god's word will stand we have to trust in god's word and in order to do that we have to read god's word tangibly that's something that we can do we have it written we have god's word written before us that we can read and to understand and to know god and love him more and obey him and glorify him in all that we do we have god's word we have to stay awake. We have to pay attention. We have to prepare, right? We have to stay awake and read. How many of you eat every day? It's kind of a dumb question, right? Everybody f- hopefully eats every day, I hope, at least in here. Um, so, But what happens if you don't? What happens if you just stop eating for you know a period of time, long period of time, or just stop eating completely? Well, you get sick, and if you stop completely, you eventually you'll die. Who's seen picture of a holo- the Holocaust? Pictures of the Holocaust, and seeing the you know the Jews coming out of the camps after they were liberated, and their faces were pulled in, rib cages were pulled in. Why? Because they haven't they didn't eat. They they weren't fed. They were starved. That they, they they're very unhealthy. They're on the verge of death, because they didn't eat. If we don't regularly feast on God's word, that's how we're going to look and be spiritually malnourished and starved. We have to regularly feast on God's Word that He's given us so that we can know and love Him and endure to the end to carry us through. We need God's Word every day. Every day we need God's Word to feast on so we stay healthy, so we stay in His Word to know who He is, to know how we can love Him more, to get to know Him more be able to go out and share that when things happen in the world all these things that we're going to look at the wars the tumults the earthquakes the famines and all these things are going crazy we can stand if we know God's word we spend time with God in his word we know that those things are coming because we read it and we trust it just like the Christians back in the day that fled Jerusalem because they knew and understood what Jesus said that the destruction of the temple was coming they knew it, they believed it, and they obeyed it, right? And they left. We must do the same. And one tangible way to do that is to s- spend time with God in the Word every day. Make time. We make time for what's important. We have to make time for God's Word. And I know it's difficult. I struggle to do it too. There's a lot of things going on in, around in the world Things we've got to try to get done or work on or whatever. But we, we, ha- we have to prioritize feasting on God's Word or we're going to be malnourished and starved. or point four expect jesus return so pick it up in verse 25 expect jesus return verse 25 and there will be signs and sun and moon and stars and all the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves people fainting with fear and with, and with foreboding what is coming on the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory now when these things begin to take place straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Jesus will return, verse 27, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies about the coming Messiah. They were all fulfilled in Him. The law was fulfilled in Him. All the promises of God we see throughout the Old Testament have been fulfilled. This one will be fulfilled. Jesus will return. He says He will, and He will. A new heaven and a new earth will be ushered in. Expect his return. Stay awake and be ready. In the Old Testament, the Israelites would, um, their families, you know, families of the bride and and the groom would come together and arrange the marriage. It's not like you know it is today. They would arrange the marriage, and so they would come together. And once they figured out the terms for the for the marriage, then the groom would go back home to with his father, uh, go back home and prepare a place. So typically, what would happen is. They would build, basically, an area for them to live off his father's house. They would still stay together as a family. It's kind of the, the traditional thing. But, so what would happen is they would leave. So they would come together, get the terms, and then they would, he would go back. And this could take a year or longer, typically a year or sometimes longer. And, it, and he was preparing, right? He left. And so the bride is still back home waiting for his return expectantly waiting because she knows that her bridegroom is going to come back for her but she doesn't know when she doesn't know the day or hour she has no clue ultimately it's up to the father of the groom to then decide when it's time she doesn't know but she's waiting expectantly she knows he's going to return we the church are the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And we too are waiting for our bridegroom to come in great power and glory to come bring us home. We have to expect his return. How do we do that? We stay awake. We get ready. We read our word. Expect. Don't get pulled away from the cares of this life. Stay focused. Next one. Recognize the signs pick it up in verse 29 recognize the signs and he told them a parable look at the fig tree and all the trees as soon as they come out and leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near so also when you see these things taking place you know that the kingdom of god is near truly i say to you this generation will not pass away until all has taken place heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not pass away so just as yeah, we're we're coming all kind of starting to come out of winter, almost into spring, we're going to be waiting right for the leaves to come out, just as Jesus is telling us in this parable. Once they start to bloom and all this stuff starts to come out, we know the summer is near. But we're getting ready. We're recognizing the signs, the wars, the persecution, the famines, the earthquakes, the great terrors from heaven, the roaring of the seas. All this stuff is going on. Persecution, we have to recognize the signs and know when we are in the story of redemptive history. We are waiting for Jesus' return. We are, that is the period of time that we are in in the story of the Bible. Recognize the signs and stay awake. Pay attention. We are in the last segment. The next, the next one in redemptive history is for God to come back, for Jesus to come back and return for us watch the signs. Everything is going to get worse. So it's just like when a woman is pregnant, right? When a woman's pregnant, you get a due date. In modern technology, we can kind of, you know, ge- edu- guess in an educated way of approximately when the baby's going to come. All right. So once you get close, once you get within a couple of weeks um, or so of the baby being, of the due date, right? You, you're starting to kind of like lean in a little bit like, okay, like we're getting to the point where Baby could be coming at any point. Like we have the due date, we know, like, kind of around that time. But ultimately, like, it could come at any point. So, as the, the parents, as we've seen with some of the new moms around, they're pressing in. They're like, "Oh, when? When is that call going to come? Like, when is? You know, it could happen at any point. They're recognizing the signs, right? They're recognizing baby is going to come at some point soon. We don't know when. We don't know the hour the baby's going to come, but we know in general that we're in that time frame. That is how we are right now. We know that he could come at any point, and we have to be ready when he comes. Otherwise, he's going to come and it's going to be like a trap. Don't get caught in the trap. Because he tells us he's going to come back, and he tells us what to look for. He gives us the playbook. Be ready. Stay awake. All right. Next point. Pray. This is the last point before we get into endurance. Pray. Verse 34, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So when all this stuff is happening that we've seen, the the wars, the earthquakes, the famines, the persecution, all these things are taking place, we must be in prayer at all times so that we can ultimately escape these things. And to what? To be with the Son of Man, to endure to the end, to have the strength to endure through all these things that's going to take place. We have to have the Spirit. We have to have the power of God in us through prayer To endure to the end, to stand before the Son of Man. Ultimately, in the end, that is the goal. Is to finish. We have to endure, to be saved. Pray. We need to pray now. We need to stay awake. And you can't pray when you're asleep. You're distracted. You're asleep. You're pulled away. There's no prayer going on. We have to stay in prayer. Have to stay awake. Now, not wait until the end and be like, "Oh, it'll be fine." Like I'll pray then. Bad things start happening. I'll start praying for sure no we have to prepare now we have to practice the way we play right we have to get ready for that so up to this point right so we've looked at staying awake and how we do that what we look for as we stay awake waiting for Jesus' return but then ultimately we have that verse in 19 right verse 19 by your endurance you will gain your lives we come to this to come to this crossroads or some something this barrier of like okay so by your endurance, you will gain your lives. So we have to endure to gain our lives. We have to endure to the end. Through all this stuff that's going on, through life, we have to endure. That's kind of scary, right? A little bit. Um, so how does this work? How does staying awake and endure, how does that come together? Let's look at 18 again. But Verse 18, But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. If you are in Christ, you will endure to the end. If you are in Christ, you will endure to the end. After I graduated high, um, high school, I went to basic training in uh, Fort Benning. So I went to Fort Benning to be a cavalry scout, um, and so I was down there 17 weeks. And throughout that time, we had a difficult time myself and the other privates staying awake. Right? You know, we're doing training all the time. You can't ever take a nap. Like that's not allowed. I do a lot of push-ups and my you know, gets caught sleeping. So we always had trouble, you know, it's there like nodding off in class and all this stuff. And then when we go out in the field and do training exercises, uh, we, you know, part of our job is we have to lay down on the ground and just with our weapon and look and wait for the enemy to come, which doesn't always come, right? You're just kind of staring at some leaves in front of you. But it's important, right? You're there to protect your men. Um, but we always had a difficult time staying awake because when you finally get to lay down and take a breath, you tend to nod off, especially as a young private in the army. Right, we can't. We couldn't stay awake, but we had this idea. We kept fooling ourselves and saying, "But, you know, okay. So we're having a hard time staying awake now, but it's just basic training. It's not that big a deal, right? Like when we get to combat and the real stuff starts going on, then then we'll be awake because you know we could die. Like you know, real stuff will be happening. You know, bombs will be going off. Like we'll stay awake then. Um, well, one of drill sergeant Godfrey, one of our drill sergeants, heard. Over most of our heard this. He pulled us all in um, and told us a story. He said on his first deployment, he'd been on like four or something at that time, on his first deployment, um, a group, um, his section sent out two, uh, two, two men for an OP team, which is observation post. they're looking out over an objective, but regardless, they sent out two people to go look at some stuff, essentially. Um, so when you do that, one person is supposed to be awake, pulling security, and then if the other one can sleep, to rest, you have like a rest uh, security cycle, right? Well, uh, one night, Whoever was supposed to stay awake fell asleep the Taliban or I can't remember if it's Afghanistan or Iraq whoever the enemy was depending on which country they were in came up on them in the night and slit their throats they didn't endure to the end they didn't make it We have to stay awake. We have to prepare now. Because when things get bad, when all this stuff starts happening, or starts happening more, and it gets more in full swing, we start getting in different difficult parts of life, we have to be ready. We have to stay awake and prepare and get ready. But still, it comes down to the question, though, but this idea of endurance, right, of of finishing. You know, can we really know that we will endure to the end? I'll say yes, absolutely. If you're in Christ, you will persevere. Turn with me to John chapter 10. We're going to take a look at this. So, as you're turning there, this is Jesus. Um, he's speaking. We're going to hear about a sheep. I'll give you a second to turn there. All right, is about ready? All right, so John chapter 10, starting at verse 24. Verse 24. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, "How long will How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So God's sheep, you see this throughout John, God's sheep is his people, and they cannot be snatched from his hand. If you are his sheep, if you are truly in Christ, you will persevere to the end. He will keep you. You will never perish. Verse 28, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. If you are in Christ, you will persevere to the end. Christ gives us eternal life. It's not earned. We do not earn our salvation, nor do we earn our perseverance. It is not earned by works. It is solely because of Christ. We cannot earn it. It is because of Christ. He will keep us to the end. I want to make sure we're clear on this. Our works do not sustain us. Christ does. Staying awake and enduring to the end is the effect or result of our salvation that Christ freely gave us by His sovereign grace. Read that one more time. Staying awake and enduring to the end is the effect or the result of our salvation that Christ freely gave us by His sovereign grace. It is not the cause. You don't earn your salvation, you don't earn your perseverance. Your salvation and your perseverance is solely because of Christ and, because, and not because of anything we did nor will do, solely because of his sovereign grace, and he will keep us to the end. But but the question still comes, right? I'm sure all of us, can you think of somebody who has left the church or left the faith? Probably most of us can think of at least one person, right? So but. How do we reconcile that? Like, how, how do how do we how do we come to think or comprehend that? Turn with me to First John chapter 2 i We'll take a look at this. First John chapter two is towards the back of the Old Testament. All right, so John most likely wrote this letter in Ephesus. Uh, it's highly probable near the time of the fall of Jerusalem. Uh, so just some background information. So before we read, the church here um, has experienced some people departing the faith. So some people have left uh, the faith, and that is what John is addressing in these two verses, primarily in verse 19. When we read specifically verse 19, there's two words I want you to focus on and follow because it's important. The first one is us, so there's a group of us. And then the second is they. Okay, so they, the group that left us, the church. Okay, follow that as we read. So First John, uh, chapter two, starting in verse eighteen. So verse eighteen, children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that that antichrist is coming, so now many antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the hour. They went. Here it is, right here. They and us. Follow it. Verse nineteen. They went out from us. So a group left. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not all of us. So do you follow that? So let's, let's look back at 19 again. So they, so a group left. They went out from us. They left. But they weren't of us, so that they were not of us when they left, weren't of us, right? Four, so here we go. Four, it's continuing on. Four, if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. So the church, us, continued in the faith. And they're saying that if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. They would have continued on to the end. Okay? Now look at uh, the last part. But, so says but, they went out. They left. You think, but, but why? that or you think so that it might become plain that they all are not of us so at them departing them leaving the faith and walking away shows that their faith was never genuine that they weren't truly converted because they left to make plain that they all are not of us when people depart from the faith and leave they may have had some sort of emotional experience at some point or some kind of interaction But their faith was never actually genuine and real and true. They weren't truly in Christ because they were not of us. And so they left. And by their lack of perseverance, it shows they were never of us. And they were never actually apart, truly, in the faith in Christ. One more verse as we start to somewhat wrap up that I want you to take heart. Because if you are in Christ, you will persevere to the end. Look at, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. God has caused us to be born again. It is a gift to an inheritance, right, to ultimately endure to an inheritance that is what? Imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for us. Who wants that kind of inheritance? Just me? Okay. Well, I would like one. Um, right? Okay. Here we go. Daniel in the back wants it too. So, right? To an inheritance. That is what is to come. Right? You know, Jesus went up. Our bridegroom went up to prepare a place for us to come. That's our inheritance. He's going to come back, take us, and then bam. Inheritance, right? Pretty awesome. So, notice verse 5. Look at verse 5. So we talk about the inheritance, and then in verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We don't have to protect this inheritance. This isn't like, oh, we got to work hard and, you know, protect it. No. Who by God's power... The inheritance is being guarded through faith until it's time. By God's power, take heart. I, I, I fully admit, I do not want the power for it to be on me to persevere to the end. I don't want that. Thankfully, God didn't do that. In Scripture throughout, it's God who by God's power guards us to the end. It's not up to me. Because if it was, I would probably be wandering off somewhere. Not probably. I would. I'll go ahead tell you, I would. Sin is real. But we can take heart today that through all the wars, the persecution, through the famines, through this, that, and the other that we see in the, the you know, eschatology, take heart because you will, if you're in Christ, endure to the end by God's power. So, again, circling back to Luke as we conclude and close. Remember, Jesus told us to stay awake. He told us to stay awake throughout all the things we read through and many others to stay awake and to be ready. Be ready for his return, and then ultimately we will, if we are in Christ, endure to the end through it all. Through it all. If you don't take anything else away from today, know that Christ is coming, stay awake, and ultimately you will endure to the end if you are in Christ. You will persevere by God's power, not your own. So, as we move into a time of communion, you know this is a special time for us as believers, as we break the bread that represents Christ's flesh, and dip into the juice that represents Christ's blood. It's time for us to then reflect right to so reflect on what Christ has done for us, and then also look forward to what he is going to do in his ultimate return. So, as you do that and as you reflect and as we pray and worship, you know what is pulling you away, what is keeping you? from staying awake what is lulling you to sleep in your life what parts of this world or things going on in your life that's pulling you this way or that way and keeping you distracted and not focused spend some time this morning thinking about that and reflecting if you're a non-believer this morning we're so glad that you're here but we respect, respectfully ask that you you know abstain from taking communion because it is reserved for believers um, you know hope and pray the Holy, the Holy Spirit moved in your hearts um, to repent and believe in the gospel that Jesus came Son of God came and died for our sins to make a way for us to be reconciled back to God let's pray Father God thank you for this day Father thank you for this time And this text and um, all the many words that you've given us in, uh, in your word this morning. Father, I hope and pray that as we go out this week that we will know that you are coming back and that we are to stay awake and to be ready. And that it's not because of works, it's not because of what we do that we will ultimately persevere to the end, but by our endurance we'll gain our lives because of your power and your sovereignty and your grace. You will keep us to the end. It is not up to us, thankfully. Thank you, Father, for that. Thank you for giving us a word and sharing with us what to look for, that when all these things start, when, you know, really start happening, the wars and the persecution and start to come into our shores, uh, whenever that may be, whatever the case, Father, I just pray that we will take heart, that we won't be surprised uh, when persecution comes, and we won't be surprised when all these other things that we read about happen, but that we will be ready, that we won't be terrified, that we will take heart that all of us as a church will help each other to stay awake and be ready because you ultimately will return. You will bring us back. You will take us home to the inheritance that you have promised, to the inheritance that you are preparing for us. Father, I just pray that as the Bride of Christ, as us, you know, the church, that we will expectantly wait for our Bridegroom to come and to bring us home. As you take us to glory, Father, I pray that again, that we will take heart. that as we reflect on what Christ has done for us in communion uh, on the cross, that we will also, out of that, look forward to what is to come and the promises of you. We love you, and we praise you, and we thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.